0: I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 4 for just a few minutes, fourth chapter of Joshua's. I share something I feel like the Lord dropped in my heart specifically for today. Verse 1 says, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. And so Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask. What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, as, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. Joshua also set up another pile of stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant were standing, and they are there to this day. The priests who were carrying the Ark stood in the middle of the river until all of the Lord's commands that Moses had given to Joshua were carried out. Meanwhile, the people hurried across the riverbed. For some reason, I get a chuckle out of that. I guess if the walls of the river were being held back by the Lord, and there was dry land, and I was my job to cross. I bet I'd be scooting across pretty quickly too, wouldn't you? And when everybody was safely on the other side, the priests crossed over with the Ark of the Lord as the people watched. Lord, add your blessing to the reading of the Word today. When the waters of the Jordan rolled back, allowing the priests to cross on dry land as they had, as they carry the Ark of the Covenant, they were instructed to gather stones as a commemoration of the event. And explaining this, Joshua said, now your children will come in the future, and they're going to say to you, Daddy, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them about what God did here and what it means. Now we don't have 12 stones here today, but in this service of dedication, and we are not only dedicating and consecrating this new facility unto the Lord, but in a symbolic way, we are laying stones in place. So that those who will come after us, our children, if you will, who might ask, What do these stones mean? And we will be able to give answer. It was in January of 2012 that we came before this congregation, just over two years ago, with nothing nothing but a word from the Lord and a push in our heart of what we sensed the Lord wanted us to do. We had no money, we had no specific plans, we had no design, we had nothing. Though I had been on staff at this church as the music pastor previously for 33 years as the music pastor, I had only been the senior pastor for seven months. But in that short seven months, it had become abundantly clear clear to me that Bethesda had a responsibility, a holy responsibility, to pass forward to future generations the incredible riches that had been deposited within this fellowship over the last period of time. Many of you know, as has been said by David a few minutes ago, this church has a 75-year history, some of it colorful, much of it very intense, and most of it absolutely glorious. When the baton of leadership was handed to me, the first thing I did was take a look back, even as I took a look around. And when I take a look back, church, I see an incredible group of people rich in resource, Maybe not all of us rich in money, but rich in resource, in that which God has deposited within us, and a people with our feet on the ground and our hearts toward the Lord, a people who want to live by the word of the Lord, a people who give lavishly of themselves and know how to give sacrificially, and talent, 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 Musical talent, yes, God has blessed us in that area. But in far more areas than just in music, there's amazing, amazing gifting and talent that the Lord has placed within this fellowship. And above all, hearts as big as Texas, an incredible heart for Jesus and a magnificent heart for people. Oh, goodness, I'm so sorry. It became very clear to me that Bethesda was to be a mentoring church. And that mentoring was something we had been engaged in for many decades. Though we may not have referred to it as such. For over 35 years, we've been training and teaching little ones from birth through K4 in our Bethesda Child Care Development Center the wing to the south of us here. That daycare program then developed into an elementary school, which grew to include a junior high school, which grew into what we have today, which is a wonderfully well-developed school, private Christian school, kindergarten through grade 12. The statistics of this fine private Christian school and graduating students prepared for college is quite astounding by the grace of the Lord. One look around our facilities should indicate to anyone that we are a church who has taken on the responsibility of teaching and training the next generation and given ourselves sacrificially to that end, which we've done by the grace of the Lord and His enabling and under the impeccable leadership of Pastors Des and Mary Evans. But there was a next step to be taken, and the time had come for us to give focus to those who had graduated high school and had a call on their lives for ministry. As the now designated leader of our fellowship, I had to examine my own life and recognize that the Lord had done something in me. He had unlocked the mentor in me. When I was younger, I couldn't see the generation coming up behind me. They were not yet visible to me. But as I grew older, keenly aware of my failures and happy for the few successes, I realized that I had picked up a few things along my journey that could possibly be of use to someone else who was going to follow in footsteps behind me. Does that mean we know it all? Of course not. But my failures, both in music and in ministry, had taught me at least which roads not to go down. And my few successes had taught me meaningful ways to help the body of Christ to do something significant for the glory of Jesus. Speaking of growing older, I had a profound reminder of that this week. Hallelujah. (laughs) Received a phone call from some young man who, I guess, got my phone number from my production website. It's what he told me. And he said, "Uh, Mr. Smith... Always a wonderful way to start the conversation. Mr. Smith, I'm, uh, give me his name, I'm in a master's program, program, a student from Southeastern Seminary, and I think he's in Durham, South, uh, North Carolina. <clears throat> and he said, I in the program I'm doing, I have a special project, and in I'm including one of your arrangements along with three or four arrangements of other people from um, you know, other time periods. And he says, part of my project is to be sure that I include information about those who were arranged and orchestrated this work and I'm including one of your pieces, and I have to have the year of, the, of birth and the year of death. <clears throat> I'm very warm by the fact that you find that funny. <clears throat> And so he went on, he was kind of nervous, actually, as he was talking, and he was, and I'm, I'm sitting there trying to, okay, Dan, just don't respond the way you really feel about this. <laughs> and he gave me the list of the other people that had come from some other generation and their music and yada, yada, yada. And honestly, this, the sad part was I didn't remember the song he said I had arranged. <laughs> <clears throat> I literally said, could you hum a few bars for me? <laughs> and he sort of did, and I was, oh, okay, yeah, I think I remember doing that some time ago. And so... And he kind of caught himself. He said, so, sir, I, for my report, I need the year of your birth. I said, you know, it's really, you're really asking a lot of personal information here. <laughs> Gave him the year of my birth, and, he said, and I need the year. I said, I'm not dead yet, okay? <laughs> Thank the Lord for those lovely reminders of our mortality. Once I found the first young person who was genuinely interested in pursuing the same path that I had trod. Something was unleashed in me that said, here, let me help you. And I have found to my utter delight that nothing in life is more gratifying or satisfying than to help someone else who is traveling down a similar path of ministry. I won't go into the long story. I think I've told you before. There was a specific day. It happened on this platform about right here, and someone who had the same fire in their eyes that I knew I had when I was young, and I really was young once, was asking questions, and I realized that day that that person held the key that unlocked the mentor in me. In fact, it's so rewarding when you find a young person who wants to learn and who wants to uh, go down the path similar to yours in a strange way. It's almost like payback in bulk for the tears and the bloodshed and the knocks and the bruises that we've incurred along the way. Toward the end of 2011, I heard the Lord say to me, Yes, Dan, there's a mentor in you that I've placed there, and I'm going to use that to expand the mentoring call on Bethesda. So as we dedicate this facility today, church, we are laying stones to be reminded of what the Lord has done for us, even as we delight in passing it on to future generations who are ready to give themselves to the weightlifting of leadership in the church of the Lord Jesus. It's Peter who tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we are actually living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. So we're going to ask today the question that it's possible our children will ask us, and that is this. So what do these stones mean? I'm going to give you three of them, and then we'll close. What do these stones mean? First of all, they represent the wonders of God. The Jordan River stopped flowing when it was God's time for the Ark of the Covenant to cross. This reminds us that what God has determined is and designed to take place, church, He's going to make a way even if it seems like there is no way. When it seems like it's impossible, when it seems like the circumstances cannot possibly be overcome, if the Lord has designed it. If the Lord has declared it's going to happen, it will happen. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. He's the sovereign God of the universe. There is no limit to His power, and there is no limit to that which He can do. Nothing is impossible with our God. Can you say amen to that? He's the God who does wondrous things, and we marvel at His power. When I see how the Lord has provided for our school of ministry, I find myself standing back and saying, how can these things be? How can these things be? And it makes me want to say to you today, let's lay a stone that represents the wonders of God. We knew we had between nine and 10,000 square feet of unfinished space in the northwest second floor of our facility. The wing was built in 2005, but that one section was never completed. Once we announced the direction for this project, the leadership determined through a process that we needed roughly $450,000 to do it. You know how projects... Uh, grow. How many of you know, if you've ever been involved in a project, whether it's something at your home or wherever, it costs more than you planned on, and it takes more money than you planned on. How many of that's you, that's your testimony? Yeah, that's mine. They finally said, it looks like what we've encountered, and now we see we're going to have this problem we have to work around and that problem. It looks like it's going to take roughly $450,000. To some people, that's not a lot of money. To me, it might as well have been $450 million. It was completely out of our reach. But as we continually shared the vision with the congregation, and though we are not a wealthy church by today's standards at all, before we had ever received an offering, this congregation, because we shared the vision with you and you chose to believe it and to follow the Lord's direction, this congregation, along with our Christian school, had given $340,000 before we'd ever taken an offering in cash for this project. It was more than enough to start, but it was not enough to finish. We came to the board meeting this past August, and though there was rejoicing in that meeting over what the Lord had provided, we had to look realistically at what was needed to finish, and we didn't have it. Knowing that the 75th anniversary of our church was coming up the following month in September, just this past September, we determined to ask the congregation to bring a thank offering before the Lord in gratitude for His faithfulness to us over the last 75 years of the history of this church on the days leading up to that, when my faith was strong, I could believe God for a great offering of $20,000, maybe twenty-five dollars on that day. And the day came, we celebrated the anniversary, took the offering at the end of the service, the only offering that to date has been received for this entire project. The finance committee went off to count the offering and brought the total back into the sanctuary to me and my wife as we were greeting people and praying with folks at the end of the service, and the total of that offering was $102,000. That took us to 442000 within spitting distance of our goal. We are in Texas, folks, I can say that. <laughs> days later, just a few days later in the office, we received yet another offering for this project and it was just over $8,000 and we had reached our goal. Let's lay a stone today that represents the wonders of God. 450,000 took care of the construction, which means we get a design, we get floors, and we get walls. That would be the completion of what Mike has referred to and the board has referred to as phase one. However, in a board meeting recently, the board made the decision that we must immediately move on into phase two of this project, which would include the furnishings, tables and chairs and computers and equipment for the media lab and the band hall and the studio and so on and so forth. In that board meeting, I really tried to hide my inner feelings. I was still huffing and puffing from reaching the goal of 450,000 and thanking God for that. I hadn't even thought much about the second phase. And they're now talking phase two, and we need to go, 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 go. They were the ones pushing it. So I tried not to let them read what I was thinking inside, which is, oh, God, help us. It was, I believe, the following Monday morning while conducting the staff meeting that Priscilla came in and handed me a letter that had just arrived at the church. The letter indicated that the person who sent the letter, they were aware that we were completing the construction phase. There would be a need for equipment and I went on to read this letter and says, therefore, because I know you're gonna be needing more after the construction, you will soon be receiving a check from my bank for $100,000 for the purposes of equipping the school of ministry. Let me lay a stone that represents the wonders of God. And that's where we stand today. Will more be needed? Yes, it will. Of course it will. But it's way more than enough to start to complete the equipping of our school. I cannot help but personalize this for you today and for me. Because I have to say this to you. Has the Lord given you a word? Is it a word that seems impossible to you? Is it a word that seems absolutely insurmountable? But one day while driving your car or while you were at work or while you were relaxing at home, a thought went through your mind... Something that went there that you're not even sure what triggered it. You're not sure what brought it into place. But suddenly you sensed and knew that there was something that you were to do. God had given you vision and a word was placed in your heart that almost felt strange to you because it was so completely out of your reach. I want to remind you today that there is no substitute for obedience. I said there is no substitute for obedience. And if you're willing to be obedient to the Lord... And to launch out in crazy faith, you will live to see the day when you can lay a stone that represents the wonders of God. What do these stones mean? They represent the wonder of God, but they also represent the work of the people. Mike, I know you've stood, but I want you to stand again, please. Mike Maddox, church board chairman and chairman of about every other thing in Tarrant County. (laughs) Ronnie Keene, would you please stand whether you want to or not? general contractor and faithful help to this fellowship and this school for as long as I have been here or longer. I'm asking you to stand. Ben and Gwen Bambard, where are you? Where's Gwen? She's not here. All right. Ben and his better part, Gwen, who's a powerful little thing, incredible, incredible workers. They did dirty work. She was up hanging ceiling tile. Every day that I would go up there, They were doing something that nobody else was doing. Work, work, work. The only problem I had with Ben and Gwen is that they were filthy dirty when I went up there, and they always wanted a group hug every time I went. (laughs) Their son-in-law, Joe Linton, who is battling cancer, worked with them tirelessly. He even worked, as I understand, yesterday, and he goes to MD Anderson tomorrow. Tomorrow. Ron Schaefer, who I don't think is in the building right now because he's helping to facilitate things that happen in our festivities after the service. He's our executive administrator, worked tirelessly in this project. Where's Pastor Brent Brunson? Would you stand, please? He's been dynamically involved in the design and working diligently with the studio uh, designer, the man who was helped put that all together. And I want these folks to stand because these are they who were willing to carry the ark across the Jordan and do the heavy lifting until all the Lord's commands had been carried out. While God was doing great and mighty wonders to provide for us, there were these and others who were putting feet to prayers and banded together in a spirit of cooperation and accomplishment to design and see this facility come to pass. Today, let us lay a stone that represents the work of the people. Thank you, you hardworking folks. The children will ask, what do these stones mean? They represent the wonders of God. They represent the work of the people. And finally, they represent the way to the promised land. They laid a stone to be sure those who would follow them, the generations to come, would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is the Lord who moves us from one place to the next. Paul reiterates this thought in 2 Corinthians where he reminds us that even as by the Spirit of the Lord, we are moved from glory to glory and from grace to grace. It is the Lord, church, who has designed our future and our destiny, and it is He who will equip us and empower us to move into our future for the glory of his name. Let's lay a stone today to remind us that he can move us from where we are to where he wants to take us to be to our promised land. We are laying a stone to tell future generations who pass through this place that it's the Lord God Almighty who brought us safely through and we are committing to teach them the ways of the Lord and to make sure that they know that the same God who has been faithful to us and has seen us through is the same God who will be faithful to them and will carry them to their promised land. Let's lay a stone today to the promised land that he's taking us to. I have a little admonition to the younger generation, those to whom we are passing the baton. Most of our comments are directed to the old geezers like me that are around the place. We're still working to motivate our fellowship and to get people to grasp the vision of what it is to pass what God has given to you to the next generation. I see it happening in little places around the fellowship as I get stories of, you know what, I was sharing with this young person the other day and this happened and that. I got to tell them about how the Lord did this for me in my journey, in my business and what took place. That's what mentoring is all about. That's what the Lord has called us to do and to be for this season of our time. But I have two very brief words to the younger generation. One of them is a word I heard in the funeral yesterday and it reminded me of the importance Younger generation, take heed. Take heed. In other words, listen up. But however, when we say take heed, it means a little more than just listen. It means that we are sharing things with you that have value to us, for which we have paid a price. Things that matter to us. Things we've learned through tears, through hard work through lessons that had pain attached to them. And we are longing and wanting to share them with you. But we're asking, take heed and listen up. We know that your day and generation may take and use it in a different way. But take heed as we share with you. The second thing I would say is this. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. What do I mean by that? I mean this very simply. We know so often younger generations look at the old folks like me and say, you know, that's kind of hokey the way you do that. Your music's kind of hokey. This is, you know, whatever. have all kinds of ideas. We're working diligently to serve our day and our generation well with the grace that God has given us. And we're believing that you're going to work to serve your day and your generation well. Your methods will be different than our methods. That's the dirty water of the bathwater. But in the process of us passing on, we know there are some things that may adjust and modify for your generation and the way you express and the way you use social media and the way you use today's capability and technology and so on and so forth. Hallelujah for all of that. But do not let the message of Jesus Christ be thrown away or diluted in any possible way in that process. The weird ways we do things, okay, let that wash away. But do not lose the value for the Word of God. Do not lose the value. Of being maintaining close relationship with Jesus Christ leaning on him for every breath that you breathe every step that you take and do not lose the value of the precious indwelling Holy Spirit that gives you guidance and wisdom and direction and comfort and all that you have need of because he is the great I am he's the one who gives you everything that you have need of don't lose it don't lose it Daddy, what do these stones mean? They Remind us of the wonders of God, the work of His people, and that He is the way to the promised land. Church, we have a holy obligation to boldly declare to the generation that follows us that we serve a God of wonders. There's a work to be done, and He will take us to the place that He has designed and prepared for us. Ushers, would you please come and serve the elements of communion? In just a moment, Dr. Clanch, our assistant uh, superintendent, district superintendent is going to come and take us through our, uh, the table of the Lord. But there is one more thing I want to mention from this passage before he comes. And I want you to listen to me carefully. Verse 18 of this chapter tells us, this same chapter 4 of Joshua. As soon as the priests carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant, listen to me, came up out of the riverbed and their feet were on high ground, The water of the Jordan returned and overflowed its banks as before. And then verse 24 of the same chapter says, He did this so all the nations of the earth might know the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. Serve the people, please, as we share this. Please listen here, though. Look up here. Alexander McLaren wrote, The one point made prominent is the instantaneous rush back to the impatient torrent as soon as the curb was taken off. Like some horse rejoicing to be free, the tawny flood pours down and soon everything looks as aforetime except for the new rock piled by human hands round which the water chafed. One can only imagine what it must have been like for the Israelites to stand on the riverbank, watching the hurrying torrent covering up their path and then lifting their eyes to look at the opposite side where they had stood just that very morning. The one thing that they knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, after having crossed that river, was this. There's no turning back now. A new and exciting chapter in their history had begun. And they knew this. The river is flowing once again. And we are able to move on into that which... Lord now has for us blessed be the name of the Lord as I read that my own heart was stirred because the truth is in my humanness and in my weakness and all the things that I deal with just like you it's easy to say oh Dan throw on the brakes here maybe we're who knows you know is this gonna go okay the truth is you are totally an uncharted territory. You're not a fundraiser. You've not, you know, you're not this, you're not that. All of those things can come. But when the Lord has given you a word and he's displayed his wonders and he has made a way where there seemed to be no other possible way and now you've crossed the river and the waters have come back, there's no turning back now. The Lord is going to take us into the place that he has designed for us. Can you say amen to that today?